You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. Um, so we're starting a new series tonight called Stripped, undressing the truth about you, me, and Jesus. And uh, as we were thinking through the series, really the idea behind the series is uh, we just want to get real from the start. I, I feel like we don't have time to mess around. We don't have time to waste on a night or a semester of dancing around the real issues, the tough issues. And so we just want to go straight at them, kind of confrontational style, uh, just go right at them. And, and as we were sitting this summer in the office and just uh, thinking through this idea of the series called Stripped, um, we were kind of bouncing some, some ideas around of... Sorry, I'm winded from running down here. Uh, we were bouncing some ideas around of, of how we might be able to make this series come alive. And so we, we, we threw a bunch of different stuff around. And, and one idea that kind of landed was somebody was like, dude, we should get a mannequin. And uh, so we got a mannequin. Um, We had to cover it up back there so that people weren't freaking out, thinking there was a dead body. Yes, we got a mannequin. And, uh, but, you know, we we thought, we thought, okay, you know, if we got a mannequin, it would kind of help the series come alive, maybe put a a good illustration to this. And I'm, you know, when somebody said that, I was like, hey, that's a great idea, because, you know, sometimes you can, by by really focusing in on a certain illustration, you can kind of gain some inspiration from it, and... So we bought a mannequin, and, uh, and I'll just tell you, like, shopping for a mannequin is not as easy as you would think it would be. Like, there's all kinds of mannequins. Obviously, there's guy mannequins, there's uh, girl mannequins, and that, there's kind of obvious things that, you know, differentiate them and stuff. But, uh, they, you know, there's mannequins that have, like, chiseled abs and muscles, and then there's ones like this that are just kind of there. And uh, there's different posing, you know, different poses that mannequins have. Like, some of them are, I don't know, like, running, and we looked online, there were some that were kind of, like, leaning up against something like this, and... And uh, then there's this mannequin. He's just kind of standing there. Uh, and then there's, uh, there's plastic mannequins. There's fiberglass mannequins. There were blow-up mannequins. I was like, we're not getting a blow-up mannequin. That's weird. <laughs> and uh, just all kinds of mannequins. Then there's mannequins that are literally thousands of dollars, which I don't know why you would need a mannequin that's thousands of dollars. There's cheap mannequins, and then there's those kind of mannequins. I don't know what differentiates the two. But then there's some that are just like a torso, some that's like got no head, some that is just legs and so we got the full body mannequin. But uh, we, we got this mannequin, and, and our idea in getting this one was, okay, let's get one that's cheap, like the cheapest one that we can find, and then the least distracting one we can find. Because if it's going to be up on the platform, we don't want it to be a distraction the whole time. So we, uh, we, we ordered it online. They shipped it in this box, and uh, it was really funny when they delivered the box to our office because they were like, what, what is this? And uh, so we opened it, and we had to assemble it. Like, this, this guy comes apart. Like, you can take his hand off. Uh, I should have thought about getting this back on before I did that. There we go. So you can take them. I mean, he comes in like five, six pieces. Uh, and we put them together. And after we put them together, we realized, yeah, uh, this, this mannequin's going to be distracting. It doesn't matter. It's a stinking mannequin. Like, a mannequin's going to be distracting. So we were like, all right, we're not going to use this as an illustration. Uh, but then we were like, well, we got the mannequin. We might as well put some clothes on it and name it. So uh, we, uh, we put a shirt on it. We couldn't find any pants for it. So for the longest time, it was the pantless mannequin. And we named it Ron. So this is Ron, the mannequin. Uh, Say what's up to Ron. Um, 
And, uh, you know, we just had him in our office. And so for a long time, he was just in our office, minus a few times that we took him around the church to scare people and make funny videos with Ron. Uh, but he'd just be in the office. And I'm telling you, every time I'd walk into the office, it freaks me out because I'm thinking nobody's in the office. And I walk in and boom, Ron's standing right there. And I'm like, oh, dang, Ron, what's up? Uh, and then, uh, like, my interns would start to, they, I mean, it freaked everybody out. So they started realizing, hey, we should move Ron around. Because you get to a point where you're expecting Ron to be like right there, and then you walk in, you don't see him there, so you forget about Ron, and then you shut the door, and you're like, oh, Ron, you know, he's like behind the door. <laughs> so they start hiding Ron around the office, and, and so it got, it, it literally, it's gotten to a point where if I don't, like, I'll peek through our office window and open the door, and if I don't see Ron, I'm like, Ron, I know you're in here, <laughs> and uh, looking for him, and, and so no joke the other day, uh, I didn't see Ron in the office. Like our office, the way it's set up is there's kind of a main office um, with uh, which is where the, my assistant and my intern's desks are, and then there's kind of an offset office, and that's where my uh, office is. And so uh, I went in, and I didn't see Ron, and so I was like, hmm, cool. Uh, so I go into my office, turn on the light, and Ron's like standing right there and freaked me out. Uh, for the longest time, he was standing right outside the door to my office, and I knew he was there, but every time I'd come out, I'd be like, oh my gosh, Ron, because I'm not used to having another tall white dude in the office. Uh, I'm the only one. <laughs> Um, but like I said, uh, we didn't have any pants for Ron, so he had one of our new overflow shirts on him, and, uh, no pants, uh, we put pants on him tonight, well, boxers, um, uh, and, and so he was in our office, and if you know anything about the way this church is set up and where our office is, this main hallway right here, like, it's the main thoroughfare during the week that everybody comes down, and the main church offices are on this side, but before you get to the main church offices, uh, is our college ministry offices, and so a lot of times, People who've never been in our church before, which is all the time, they come through on, you know, Monday morning or Tuesday, whatever, and and they're looking for the main office. They see our office. They think it's the main office, so they come in there. And uh, so all week long, these, like, new people who've never set foot on our campus before are walking in, and the first thing they're being greeted by is a pantsless mannequin named Ron. And uh, not a good impression, first impression on our people. So my boss actually came to me about a week later and was like, dude, you got to put some pants on on that thing. you got to move it out of the way because... that's just, we don't want people coming in here. The first thing they see is a naked mannequin or uh, more awkward with the shirt and no pants on and he needs pants, trust me. Uh, but uh, here's why I share all that. So this summer, uh, my, my home group, which is, it's a group of about 15 people, 20 people. We meet on Thursday nights. Um, and we're all from this church and we study the Bible together. We grill out, hang out. And uh, we've been doing this for a couple years now. And and we've been studying through the book of Hebrews. And this summer, while I was just kind of going through Hebrews on my own, I came across Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. And Hebrews 4, 12 says this, for the, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And the verse 13 goes on to say this. It says, no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. As I'm reading that text this summer, for whatever reason, and I wasn't just aiming for that text, I was aiming for Hebrews, and I get to that text, and it just captured my attention. And it captured my attention because of verse 13. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so I'm, I'm, I'm captivated by that text. And then we order Ron, and he's standing in our office, naked for like two weeks. And the Lord just kind of started to put these two images together in my mind. And, and, and so 
Yeah, Hebrews 4.13, uh, all that good stuff. And so I'm, I'm thinking about this, and, and I wasn't going to bring Ron out here tonight. But I ended up bringing, out, bringing him out here tonight because as weird as it may be, I feel like this is a perfect picture of what God's talking about in Hebrews 4.13. Like in the same way that Ron is standing here basically fully exposed in front of a lot of people, which I'm sure if this is a real person, he'd be super humiliated. Maybe he is humiliated if Ron has feelings. But in the same way that he's standing here fully exposed, all of our lives on a spiritual level, all of our lives, whether we realize it or not, are fully exposed before God. Your life, whether you realize it or not, is fully exposed before God. And, and think about that for a second. Like, just let that kind of simmer there for a second. I'm, I'm a pretty confrontational person. And uh, sometimes it's a good thing, honestly. A lot of times it's not a good thing. I don't know how it's going to work out for me tonight. But I feel like tonight we just, night one, I know we don't know each other yet. Y'all don't know my personality yet. But I feel like night one, we need to just confront some of the big issues that are in the room. Like I said earlier, we don't have time to dance around the major issues. We're all real people, minus Ron. We're all real people. We've all got real issues. And you look around the room, we come in here looking good. We come in here looking like we've got it all together. But let's just be honest. We don't. I mean, spiritually speaking, if everyone in here was to have all of the layers stripped away that we use to hide who we really are on the inside, what do you think people would see? I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm 100% convinced we would see if all of our layers, my layers, your layers were stripped away, I'm convinced that we would see a room full of people carrying in all sorts of baggage and wounds and junk, sin, fear, loneliness, insecurities of all, of all types. I know that if the layers were stripped away, the, the, what it would reveal in this room is there are tons of people in this room who are in the midst of or coming out of some really jacked up relationships. And, and, and I'm not just talking about relationships, you know, say with a boyfriend or girlfriend. I, I know there's people in here who you're coming out of those jacked up relationships with somebody you were dating, or maybe you're in one of those relationships right now, but I'm also talking about like with your family. Some of you, the relationship you have with your family, your parents, it's not good. Some of you in here, you, you, have, you are coming out of abuse. You're coming out of rape. Some of you, you're in it right now. I'm speaking to you. You are in it. You know I'm talking to you. And I'm not just talking to the victims of abuse and rape. I'm talking to the people in here who I know there's some here who they're the instigators of it. I just wonder what we would see if these layers were stripped away. I, I know that we would see all kinds of addictions, addictions to pornography, probably some addictions to alcohol, maybe even some drugs. There's people in here tonight who are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Some of you, some of you, 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 for whatever reason, you hurt yourself. You are a cutter. Those layers were pulled away. What would we see? People dealing with all kinds of different sexual identity issues, anger, hatred, laziness. It'd be baggage for days. All kinds of wounds, guilt, shame, sadness. We could go on for a long time with all the different things that we would see in here. I think most of us in this room, honestly, would be absolutely terrified to have who we really are underneath all the layers revealed. Now, we're calling this series, <coughs> excuse me, we're calling this series Stripped, Undressing the Truth About You, Me, and Jesus. Next week, uh, we're going to continue studying the Bible, and as part of that, I'm going to share a little bit of my story, Undressing the Truth About Me. Um, this week, we're talking about Undressing the Truth About You, really about us. And as we were thinking through this series and really praying over, okay, what, what needs to happen tonight, knowing 
the type of people, knowing who would be in this room tonight, and really asking the Lord to show us who would be in this room tonight, there was something that continued to be impressed on my heart, on our hearts, as we as a team were coming together for this series. And, that, and that's this. We have a huge desire for everything that happens in this room on Tuesday nights to, to we want this to be a place and an experience that's real. Like I feel like, I feel like so many times you walk into a church or you walk into a ministry and there's this feeling that everybody there has it all together. I feel like there's so many places you walk into, ministry, church, and, and you walk in and, and, and it feels like the people and even the pastor just, they don't have any problems. And if they do have problems, they're not at all like your problems. We walk in there and, and we feel like, okay, if we have problems, then we don't belong there. And I just want to speak to that tonight and say places like that are full of people who are wearing a big, fat facade. They're people playing dress-up on a really grand scale. Those are places that are full of people who are spending too much time, too much money, too much effort working to cover up and hide the baggage, the wounds, the stuff they're really dealing with instead of actually dealing with it. Instead of dealing with the gaping wounds that they have, they're taking like these band-aids and just trying to cover them up. And I want you to hear what I'm saying here. Every single one of us in here has wounds. Many of us have really deep wounds. And you need to hear this. There is a cure for those wounds. But the only way that you'll get to that cure is if you first rip off the band-aid. Strip away the facade Stop fronting. Quit faking. And for many of you, the, the thought of doing that is absolutely terrifying. I mean, there's a reason you're working so hard to hide that baggage, to hide those wounds. And the thought of those being exposed is absolutely terrifying to you because a lot of you, you are dealing with some huge wounds, gaping wounds, gross wounds, deep and humiliating wounds. And some of you barely even made it tonight because... You're, you're, you're thinking, especially as I read that text in Hebrews 4, you're thinking, man, if God really does know what all is there in my life, what all I've been through, what all I'm in right now, he would not want me. He wouldn't take me. And I want you to listen again to Hebrews 4.13. Very clearly, Scripture says, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Listen, God does know everything about you. There's literally nothing in your life, past, present, or even future, that he doesn't know. You can't, there's no secrets with God. But I want you to see what Scripture says next. Hebrews 4, verse, <coughs> excuse me, Hebrews 4, verse 14. It says this, since then, we have a great high priest who is passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to make sure you heard what he just said. Look at verse 15 again. He says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every respect, you might underline that, in every respect, in every way, he has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We can confidently approach God through Jesus. Listen to me. You can confidently approach God through Jesus. I can confidently approach God through Jesus. We can confidently approach God through Jesus. But have you ever asked, like, why? I mean, really, why? And you hear in verse 15, he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Do you, do you understand what he's talking about right there? I'll, I'll just be honest with you. I was studying this text all week, and it wasn't until last night. I'm, I'm sitting there, and it just kind of, maybe it won't blow your mind. It blew my mind, though. Go back to Luke chapter 4. In fact, you can just forget about your place in Hebrews. Go back to Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I want you to see this. Sorry, I keep coughing. I want to read Luke 4, 1 through 13, and and listen to what's happening here. Luke 4, 1 through 13 says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Verse 9, and he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So first of all, as we, as we take this story in, we've got to make sure we're reading it the right way. I don't know if this is true for you, but when I read Jesus' words in Scripture, there's just this thing that happens in my mind, like normally I'm reading quietly where I am. There's this thing that happens in my mind where I just, I, I hear everything that he says, like in a real energetic and forceful, authoritative, superhero sort of tone. Does that happen to you when you read Jesus' words? Yeah, that happens to me all the time. So when I read this, naturally I read it in a forceful tone, but as I was looking more into this text, I realized that's completely wrong. That's not how he's responding to Satan here. I mean, go back to verse 1 and 2. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit to the wilderness, or the desert, for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, devil, and he ate nothing, (coughs) excuse me, he ate nothing during those days. And when, (coughs) when they were ended, he was hungry. So for 40 days, he didn't eat anything. And he was in the desert. So, you know, he's hungry. You can assume he's tired. You can assume he was weak. I mean, think about how you get when, you, when you're hungry. Think about how you get when you miss, like, one meal, let alone 40 days worth of meals. I know how I get. I get angry. There's a word for that, hangry. I get really hangry. Like, if you come up to me and I haven't eaten, ate, eaten, eaten, eaten. If I haven't eaten, uh... I'm angry, and I, like, I'm irritable. I just want to punch somebody. It just, I don't know. I just want to punch. Girls, I think, are different. Y'all just get all like, emotional and stuff. Oh, my gosh, it's like been days, and I haven't eaten. And, uh. 
Then you go binge on some ice cream. Uh, but Jesus, he was feeling the hunger pangs. I mean, he was hurting. He was tired. He was craving relief. And it's at this point that Satan goes after him and tempts him. It wasn't at his peak that he comes after him. It was at his lowest. <coughs> so we need to hear Jesus' response in the right tone of voice. He was exhausted. His words are coming out tired and, and, and weak and trembling when he responds. Now, there's a lot of application that we can take from chapter 4 here. I could preach a whole sermon on just, on just the way that Jesus responds to Satan the, the, the fact that Jesus uses scripture in his response to the temptations of Satan, preach a whole sermon on that. Ironically and deceptively, we could preach another whole sermon on the fact that Satan uses scripture in his response to Jesus. There's a whole sermon we could preach on, 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 on just these verses, but here's what I want you to see. <coughs> Look at verse 1 again. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but like when I, when I really first, you know sometimes you're reading scripture, you just kind of read through. You've heard it before, move on. Maybe you haven't heard it before, but you still just move on. Doesn't make sense, move on. That's kind of what's happened to me with this text. And, and I remember the first time, and again, it was just this, this, this summer, a few weeks ago, I'm reading this. And verse 1, I caught my attention. It says he was led by the Spirit into the desert where he was tempted. Like, why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the desert knowing that Satan was going to be there waiting for him to tempt him? Why would that even happen? That doesn't make sense to me. Isn't that weird? And, and I'll tell you, it finally clicked with me last night what was happening in that moment. Look, look at where this event falls in Jesus' life. You go back to chapter 3, verse 21. It says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized. So, I mean, Jesus, he's just been baptized. And we see in verse 23 that he's just starting his ministry. Verse 23, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. So this is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is right at the start. And, and, and here's what I'm seeing. This is the event. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus being in the desert, tempted this whole time. This is the event that catapults Jesus into his full-on ministry. This moment sets the stage, it sets the tone for the rest of Jesus' ministry. This moment was providentially a critical piece of Jesus' ministry. And here's the big thing. This moment has more of an impact on your life than you probably realize. Look at what happens next. So he's, he's tempted in the desert for 40 days. And then in verse 14 it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, which is in Galilee, so he's, he's already there. He came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So Jesus is talking now in the synagogue. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to pro proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And verse 20 says, and, and Jesus rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So after 40 days in the desert where Jesus was tempted, what does Jesus immediately go and do? What's he going to do? It's a question. 
Yeah, he, he goes now to Galilee, specifically Nazareth, goes straight to this synagogue. I mean, you know, it wasn't the same as the church, but it basically, similar setting as this, goes straight to the synagogue, gets up to read scripture. And, and look at what text he chooses to read from. If, you, if you've got footnotes in your Bible, it's going to tell you that that's Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. So he gets up and he reads, and listen to what he's saying. Of all the texts, I mean, think about it. Of all of the texts he could have chosen, he choose, chooses this one. This is God speaking, prophesying through Isaiah years before of the coming Messiah, of the coming Savior. Jesus picks this text and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Underline poor, like for real. Underline poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Underline captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. Underline blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Underline oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as he reads this, you got to hear his tone of voice now. Because he's not, he's not reading with this weak, trembling, tired tone of voice anymore. He's standing up there reading with authority, with confidence, with with, uh, with, with a strong voice, force. And then he sits down. It says he sits down, and, and honestly, when I first read that, the way I saw it in my mind was he reads this with authority and force, and he just takes the scroll, rolls it up, and just drops it on the floor and just kind of walks over and sits down. I thought that's what was happening. I was like, dang, that was a baller move, Jesus. But I read a little bit more on the natural, hap- like what would normally happen in the synagogue, and, and this is what would happen. So somebody, one of the rabbis, would get up and read Scripture, and then after reading, he would go and sit down, and, and then once he would sit down, that's when everybody would turn their attention to him, and while sitting down, he'd give a sermon. So what's really happening is Jesus has just read the scripture, he goes to sit down, and now everybody, it says, is turning to look at Jesus, and they're waiting for him to now give this great sermon on what he just read. But look at what Jesus does. He doesn't give a whole long 30, 40, 50-minute sermon. Instead, he simply says, today, this scripture has been, been fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, basically, he says this. That text that I just read, that you've heard read so many different times before, yeah, that text is talking about me, and I'm about to do that junk. Now, I don't know if you're seeing this yet, but I, if, if you're not, I want to connect the pieces. <coughs> Luke 4, 1 through 13, and Luke 4, 14 through 21, they are not unrelated events. When you really look and you spend time with this text you see that the first event clearly leads to the second event. Think about it. Jesus walks into the synagogue and says what? He says, I've come, I've come to bring good news to the poor. I've come to set the captives free. I've come to give sight to the blind. I've come to proclaim liberty for the oppressed. And, and where had Jesus come out of? 40 days He'd been in the desert where he faced the same temptations that his people were being enslaved to, impoverished by, oppressed by. I mean, isn't it obvious that Luke 4, 1 through 13, it catapults Jesus into his ministry? It's, it's like because of his experience in the desert, he had now seen what the world was facing. Because of his experience in the desert, he had now seen what we are up against in these temptations and struggles. He's, he'd now seen what we're going through. So last night I called my, uh, my old college roommate. He's a pastor in Little Rock now. And I often do this. I'll kind of run through what I'm 
thinking and teaching on, and, and, uh, and I just asked him some questions about this text, and he, he said something just I felt like really insightful to Luke 4. His name's Ross. He said, though Jesus was clearly still without sin, talking about Luke 4, 1 through 13, though Jesus was clearly still without sin, he was now, because of that experience, able to identify and sympathize with those facing temptation and sin. Listen, this chapter, Luke 4, that section, verses 1 through 13, might be the most significant in the Gospel of Luke. That 40 days might be the most significant event in Jesus' ministry. Think about Romans 5, 6 through 10. Turn there, in fact. Romans 5, 6 through 10, to the right. <coughs> Listen to what it says, Romans 5, 6 through 10. Paul's writing about what Jesus did while he was on earth. It says, for while we were still weak, underline that phrase, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, underline that phrase, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, underline that phrase, while we were enemies, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. The Bible is so clear that even while we were weak, even while you and I are sinners, even while we were enemies or are enemies of God, Jesus still went to the cross to die for our sins. Even when we were still standing before him, completely opposed to him, completely disobedient towards him, completely weak and unable to earn the right to even have a, have a conversation with him, Jesus still went to the cross and paid the price, ransomed us from Eternal death through his death on the cross to restore our relationship with God. Now think about this. Why would anybody do that? Why would anybody do that? And, and I'm not sure that I would go as far as to say that Romans 5, 6 through 10 doesn't happen without what Jesus experienced in Luke 4, 1 through 13. But I will say this, Luke 4, 1 through 13, and what Jesus experienced there clearly has an impact on Romans 5, 6 through 10. We can confidently approach God through Jesus because Jesus knows, understands, and sympathizes with our weakness. What Jesus experienced in the desert, it impacted his compassion toward his people, toward you, towards me. And I don't know if you understand this, but this is the gospel. This is what this whole book is about. And, and let me just say, here, here's how I know that many of you in this room don't yet understand that. I know that many of you in this room don't yet understand that simply by the fact that instead of taking your, your junk and your wounds and your baggage, your sin, whatever you want to call it, instead of taking that and dropping it at the foot of the cross where Jesus died for that baggage, those wounds, those sins, instead of dropping it at the foot of the cross, giving it to Christ in faith, trusting him to take that from you, instead of doing that, you're doing everything you can to hide it. Let 
You've put on layer after layer, trying to cover it all up. Layers of money, layers of relationships, layers of buying yourself stuff that you feel like will make you happy. Popularity, layers of popularity, Twitter followers, tan skin, six-pack abs. Some of you girls have worked so hard to get that thigh gap in order to misdirect people's attention away from the baggage, the junk, the wounds that you're carrying. You don't want them to see it. You're working so hard. You put on these layers to keep what's really going on underneath, hidden from others and from God and even from yourself. And, and I want you to understand this. I want you to understand what you're doing. It, it, it's, it's just like if you were to somehow get this epic gash in your arm that goes all the way down to your bone, like folds open and it's just disgusting. And instead of going to the hospital to get it treated like you need to, you take one of those little Disney princess band-aids and slap it on it, try to cover it up. Maybe a better example would be if if you got shot in the chest or shot in the stomach. Instead of going to the hospital to get the obvious treatment that you need, you you take a little bandage and just try to cover up the bullet wound. You need to understand that you don't need a band-aid, you need a cure. And and I want to show you where that cure is found. If you go back to Hebrews 4, so we looked at verses 12, or we looked at verses 13 through 16, but now back up to verse 12. I want to show you where that cure is found. Verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joint and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Listen to how God's word is described there. For the word of God, it says, is living in other words, God's word is alive. There's an obvious difference between things that are, that are living and things that are dead, right? Things that are dead don't move, they don't breathe, they don't speak. But God's word does all those things. God's word speaks truth into our lives. God's word breathes life into our souls. God's word moves on us. God's word acts on us. And then it says uh, God's word is not only living, but it's active. And if you've heard that verse before, have you ever asked, like, active doing What? What is God's word active doing? It's actively transforming our hearts and our minds. It's actively uh, healing those wounds that we have. It's actively giving life to our souls. Listen, Satan does not want you to open this book. He's doing everything he can to get you to keep this book closed. Because he knows that when you open this book and you read it and you hear it and you understand it, it changes you. In the same way that Jesus' words had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, God's word has the power to raise you from the dead. It says God's word is living and active and piercing or penetrating. Piercing or penetrating what? There's a lot of things that need to be pierced or penetrated in here tonight. There's so many different walls that are standing between you or between us and, and God. And really, there's only one thing that has the power to penetrate or pierce through those walls, and that's God's word. Walls of fear, doubt, confusion, guilt, shame, lies that you don't even realize you've bought into. Only God's word has the power to pierce through those walls. God's word has the ability to bust through those walls and pierce the deepest, most hard-to-access parts of our souls. His word has the ability to penetrate, bust down those walls, and pierce the most hidden places in our hearts. And it says his word is discerning. Discerning how? I don't know if you've ever thought about that either. One commentator said this. He said, if we don't want to know about ourselves, we should stay away from the Bible. 
God's word reveals who you really are. God's word reveals who I really am. God's word reveals how deep the wound really is. God's word reveals what our hearts and our minds really need. And so many of you in this room are hurting and feeling empty and you're trying to fix yourselves with sex or with porn or with uh, buying stuff or with relationships. And God's word reveals to you that those things don't have the ability to take away your pain. They might numb it for a little while, but they won't cure it. God's word reveals what the cure is, and the cure is Jesus. And so if you don't hear anything else I say tonight, you need to hear this. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. If you want to be healed of your enslaving, impoverishing addiction to pornography, you need Jesus. If you want to be set free from captivity to whatever the addiction is, alcohol addiction, whatever it is, you need Jesus. If you want to be healed from past wounds of rape or abuse, you need Jesus. Some of you in here tonight, you're coming out of a relationship where you gave yourself to that other person. You, you thought you loved them, you thought they loved you, so you just gave away your whole self to them, and then you realized it wasn't working out, so you continued to give yourself away in an effort to try to save the relationship, and it didn't save the relationship, and so now you're, you're walking around carrying the shame and the guilt and the frustration and the pain and the hurt from that. If you want to be healed from that, you need Jesus. If you want freedom from self-image issues, you need Jesus. If you want freedom from suicidal thoughts, you need Jesus. I could go on. You want freedom from feeling enslaved to the desire to please all the people around you? That's an enslaving desire, and an enslaving feeling. If you want to be free from that, you need Jesus. Let me, just, let me just go ahead and tell you who we're going to talk about every week here at Overflow. We're going to talk about Jesus. And, and, and listen, I understand that many of you in this room, you, you would say that you've identified for years now with Jesus. You, you've identified with the term Christianity. Like you've, you've called yourself a Christian for a while. But I also understand there's people in here, this is your first time to ever set foot in a meeting like this. First time to ever hear anything like this. And, and to both groups, whichever group you're in, you need to understand that you need Jesus. A fresh application of Jesus. The Bible's so clear. The Bible's so clear in saying to us, that all of us have sinned. And because of our sin, our relationship with God that we were created for was severed. It was destroyed. Not to be ever fixed by us. But God, because of his great love, he sent Jesus to fix that relationship. And the way he fixed that relationship is he ransomed us from our captivity and enslavement to sin. The way he ransomed us is the payment for sin is death. And so he went to the cross, died on the cross, God powerfully rose him again, showing that he has the power, just like he rose Jesus from the dead, to raise you from the dead. In other words, set you free from your sin. If we would simply look at the wounds and the baggage and the sin, the junk that we're trying to hide even from ourselves, take it, put it at the foot of the cross, trusting him to take it from us, that's called faith. Putting our faith in Jesus, it's in that moment when you put your faith in Jesus that, that you're finally set free, healed, whatever you want to call it, from that enslavement to sin and brokenness and poverty and captivity and oppression. And I realize that tonight there's some people in here that, that need to take that step. I realize there's other people in here tonight who have taken that step, but you need to remind yourself of that truth. And so I'm going to pray. The guys are going to come up here. We're going to lead um, another song or maybe two. I don't know. And uh, I, I just my prayer for you in this moment and, and really for this whole semester, this is the place we start because this is the most important thing. 
coming into an honest view of who we really are in the eyes of God's word. And so I, I, my prayer is that in this moment, you wouldn't just kind of move on to thinking about, okay, Waffle Wagon's still out there, Don's, or Kendrick's Barbecue's still out there, which they're both delicious. Uh, I'm not helping. Uh, I don't want you to get distracted and start thinking about your, your food truck experience or kicking it or whatever, like, or you got school tomorrow. I, I, I want in this moment for you to stay in this moment and wrestle with what you've just heard. And, and I, I just want to say this because some of you are feeling this. Some of you right now, you're feeling something in your heart, deep down, whatever you want to call it, your heart, your soul, your innards. Uh, you're feeling something you haven't felt before. Not gas, not upset stomach, uh, not heartburn. It's like there's something different. And if that's you, I want to tell you what that is. That is God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is speaking to your heart, and he's trying to say something to you. And maybe to you, he's trying to say, look, you actually need to acknowledge this baggage, this junk, this struggle, these wounds, and you need to put it at the foot of the cross and put your faith in Jesus for the first time. And if that's you, I just want to challenge you. Don't leave here without talking to me or um, talking to one of our leaders at the overflow table. Uh, I'll kind of hang around. (coughs) Excuse me, here at the front. Um, But that's a big deal. So I'm going to pray for us. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.